Hi everyone and welcome back to part two of the interview with Chrissy Beth Hubbard. So at the end of part one I asked Chrissy what is it that lights you up? So we're going to find that out in this next episode. I'll see you in there. So the big question is this, how do we live in more sustainable and regenerative ways? How can we tap into the ancient secrets of living in harmony with the sacred nature of life? How do we embody the interconnected web of life that thrives in abundance within each of us? That is the question, and this podcast will explore the answers. My name is Craig Hubbard, and welcome to Shambhala Living. What is it that lights you up at the moment? What are the the things that are lighting you up now and you can see that they're... The horizon, there's lights on the horizon for some things. That's a good question. I think it's still being figured out. <laughs> I'm still listening. But um, things that light me up now, I'm really, I'm really feeling like I can share more of myself outside of mamahood. But also I like sharing mamahood and things I'm going through with the world. I find it really beautiful when I see other mums out there speaking about different things they're going through or, and I I think that's something that I like to continue to do. And I, I'd really like to dive back into my podcast. There's definitely been a period of time and growth in Birdie where I just, I think it was just like, I just had to, (laughs) I think it will always be like that where it feels like there's not, not enough time, but I can feel there's a little opening right now for some reason. I do feel simmerings of things. I'm going to have another women's circle, which is such a beautiful way of holding space for other women and something I love to do. And I have two other beautiful friends that I do that with. So we're going to do that month, <clears throat> which will be exciting. Which is the, the first uh, event that since winter, I guess. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. There's one on this weekend. Yeah, the first, yeah, like, our first women's circle too back. When you're sharing there, it sounds mm-hmm. like you're, you're quite outgoing and there's lots of things happening, but do you want to talk about the dance between the, mm-hmm. the really quiet inner Chrissy mm-hmm. and then this, this one that wants to share with the world? Yeah, she's a mixed bag, <laughs> <laughs> as you found out. A lot of people think I'm super like I'd be like the life of the party or something because I can be a little bit loud like sometimes I have a loud laugh and I do like to share and once I'm I, you know I grew up on stage like my family and I were always singing for our church and we were like you know leading the worship songs and then I was in talent shows from a very little person age singing up in front of lots of people and and then I went that's what I did so I think I just was maybe I'm a little bit used to being in front of people. So then when I became a teacher, it was just kind of followed into that. I love holding space for people. I really love it. I think it's really powerful and it brings me a lot of joy. I get a lot in exchange when I went, whether it be like a circle or whether even one-on-one, like I used to love doing private classes as well and big groups. I also, I am really, I think I am really shy too. Like, Like sometimes, you know, poor Craig will want to like go out and be social and we have this beautiful community that we live with here on the farm. And sometimes I'm the one that's more 
I find it harder to jump into social gatherings, which is interesting because I, I think what it is too sometimes is that when I'm around people or when I'm, yeah, when I'm out or when I'm around people or when I'm sharing my energy with people, I, I'm like an all or nothing. I find it hard to have like, and I'm work, always working on boundaries and like having mm. a bit of a protective shield around myself because I do yeah. take on a lot of people's emotions because I feel everybody's emotions really strongly. So I think that's what I, I'm really, as I get older, I'm like, I think that's what it is. <laughs> I think that as I've gotten older and I'm more aware of this part of myself, which is not a bad thing, it's just who I am, I am more protective of it. Like if I'm invited to something or if there's something going on, I'm probably way more, not picky isn't the right mm. word, but just a bit more guarded around do I need to do that? Do I want to do that? That will take up a lot of my energy. And for other people, it might not even be something they <laughs> think about because that's not happening for them. Desire or this um, both gift and, and or passion for sharing, but also now being a mum and, yeah. and the, the horizon of that and future motherhood. Mm. How does that together or, or it's interesting because I I love giving my energy to Birdie I love yeah. pouring my energy into her and I have a lot of it like I have a lot of love to give and I've always known that about myself like I've always had I don't have this like yeah it's, it's always there and there's so much of it and now being a mom is like whoa it's like even more <laughs> like <laughs> kind of expands you at that times a thousand and maybe I'm just I'm still figuring it out but I can feel that what I'm starting to understand is that I can still have all this love and all of this energy for Birdie, but I, and I can still have love and energy to give to others in a different way. But it is yeah. a different kind of thing. So it's, but this again is still new to me. I'm feeling into that. Like recently mm -hmm. I've been recording these meditations with everything that's going on in the world. It just felt like I need to tap into my own meditation. And one of the ways that's been helpful is that I share it out into the world. It kind of like makes yeah. you, as you know, it kind of, encourages you to once you record something you're like okay I've made this commitment I'm gonna do it and it's great like it really does you know make you do the thing that you said you would do so I've been recording some meditations and that's been really giving me lots of joy or even I've had this idea that I'd love to I used to send out a newsletter every week and I'm like who was that like she was amazing <laughs> what and like I did and I I can just feel there's this feeling inside of me that I haven't had for a while that's like there's a, the, the brewing of things. And when they start to kind of pile up, I'm like, ah, I gotta write them down. Yeah. I gotta get them out there, whether that be through an Instagram post, through my stories, through a newsletter, through recording a meditation, or through teaching a class or anything like that. So I can feel that that's rising up. And for me, it's like as long as Birdie is getting almost, you know, 100% of me, which yeah. sounds maybe not balanced, but that's kind of where I'm at with her. And I can still do those things. Then I'm, I'm excited to start doing more of those things. Yeah. But I do think it's, I, th I reckon it's different for every mama and every family and how they find that balance. But I can feel it's important because it's part of how I continue to grow. And in the past, I've heard you talk about morning ritual as, as such an important part. Mm. How has that shifted to become more of a daily ritual mm. to fit in with mm. life as a mama? Yeah, I'm power to those women that somehow get up at four in the morning and like do all the things. I'm in a space now where 
I just love my mornings with Birdie. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, so I'm, you know, and we're slow going. She still kind of sleeps in a bit later. I enjoy our slow, like I, I guess having her has helped me to really tap into slowing down. Yeah. It's so powerful. And to just enjoy the moments, enjoy slow days. Like we barely get out half the time until it's like an afternoon if we go anywhere for a walk or something. So for me, it's like, you know, if she goes down for a nap and I'm like, okay, I feel that I can sit and have a meditation or sometimes it's me doing a bit of stretching and moving my body. Sometimes it's connecting with a, a friend of mine that I, you know, need to connect to. So it looks like it could be any time during the day. Sometimes at night, as you know, is right now, you know, it's late at night and it's because she's in, in bed and sometimes that's when I sit and I just listen to music and I meditate and I know that's probably not the ideal time, but I reckon as long as I can get some of that time in, it doesn't, right now, it's, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your newfound passion or, or maybe it's not newfound, your passion for flowers? Yeah. Yeah, we can talk about flowers. <laughs> so, from what I understand, you own a green thumb, you weren't a gardener no. before. No, I haven't. Have you always loved flowers? I've always loved flowers and I've always been interested in growing things. Like there was a time even, I remember back in the States when I had a little house and little backyard and I remember being so excited, like having some veggies and have, planting some plants and whoo, you know, like, like one or two things might have grown. I was like so proud of that. But never, no, I've never felt like I was like this person that knew how to grow anything. And obviously then I was living, you know, like when we met, I was living in the city and it just wasn't, that wasn't part of my life. And I was not as aware of, you know, everything that I've learned since living here on the farm and, and learning from you. But yeah, I think it was back, I don't know, a couple of years ago when I started to, I mean, I've always loved flowers, but we've, you know, when I moved here, we were very much a food growing, veggie growing farm, which is beautiful. But I think I would, I would have moments of like, oh, I wonder why we don't, <laughs> why don't we grow flowers yet? And then there was the exposure to beautiful farm in the Washington, Washington state in the America that was growing these dahlias and all these beautiful flowers. And it was just, her feed on Instagram was just like blew up my heart because it was just, it was explosions of beauty. <laughs> and I just remember being really, really like hooked in. And I think I said to you, um, maybe we should, do you think we should start to grow some flowers like this lady? <laughs> and yeah, yeah I, I think that's when we kind of started to like open the door yeah. To, yeah. to that, adding that as part of something that we might explore. And would you say that was your main entryway into the world of growing? Yeah, I mean, I think you would, before that you would have, you know, been teaching me things just and just being here learning things. But, and I remember getting into the dirt and getting in into the earth with you, but not doing like the full from the seed all the way to you know harvesting the flowers like the full cycle is for me was when yeah we started to grow flowers yeah, yeah. there's a whole I know there's a whole story mm. that we could talk about with flowers so I think though maybe that could be another episode because that, yeah, that could I think, be 
That's could, a bit too long. You create a rabbit hole there. <laughs> anyway, go through. But what about, could you give us, uh, tell us a little bit about the Shala, like just a, what is it? Mm. Why is it here? <laughs> <laughs> well, when we met in Bali, which was four years ago now, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, or over four years. We were at a beautiful training, a Zentai yoga training with our beautiful friend and teacher, Gwen Williams. We were lucky enough to get into that group. I, yeah, I was in a beautiful space. I, I think I was, again, doing all the teaching and I was just wanting to explore some other, I don't know, modalities. So I was, I'd done some Zentai work with Gwyn, one of his workshops. And then I just fall in love with Gwyn because that's just what happens when you meet yeah. Gwyn. And his heart is so, it was like meeting an old friend, you know, when I met mm -hmm. him and it was like meeting someone, yeah, from that I've known forever. And it was like my heart went, oh, I know you. Mm. And I just am a better person when I interact with Gwyn and when I learn from Gwyn. It's like I'm a higher version of myself. That's what I always feel. Anyways, that's a Gwyn, that's a Gwyn love plug. <laughs> well, um, interesting that depending on when we put this out there, that he's, he's coming this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, it's such an honor to have him in the shala, considering how it all the shala became uh, shala came to be. So when we met in Bali, and we um, are we telling our whole Bali story now, or is that too long? <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think we you met could in Bali tell and your version of that. Yeah, yeah, and we I was just there to learn and explore this Zentai way of teaching and just learn more about Gwyn style and to go to Bali. I mean. That was amazing. That was to your have first that time? First time going to Bali. I, I remember I made the decision and I was just, I was scared to leave because being a full-time yoga teacher, it's a lot to build up your mm. following. I don't know how else and, to say it. but And this uh, workshop with Gwyn wasn't just like a few days, was it? No, how, we were uh, there for, I don't know, it was like less than a month, but it was like three, three and a half weeks or something. Was yeah. It? Yeah, it was a commitment. And for me, it was scary because, you know, I, not scary, but it was hard. To, it was a bit of a hard decision because I, as a, any yoga teacher knows, like once you, you committed to your classes and your, your schedule and your students kind of follow you, yeah. which isn't maybe the right way to say it, but they're committed to you um, and your classes. And you, if you leave for a longer period of time, it can be tricky because that's, you know, that's the way you earn your living and, you know, you, you work hard to build that up. And I was teaching really larger classes at that time. Like I'd t taken these classes on that were, you know, these vinyasa classes that just didn't have many people and they wanted to cancel them, I think, get them off the schedule. And I was kind of still a newish vinyasa teacher and it was a beautiful time because these students kind of grew with me as I grew as a teacher and so I, then I remember leaving for that period of time was a big deal yep. to go and yeah there were beautiful people there like no don't leave us and I'm like I'm gonna come back and and teach you all the things and then you know what happened I met you and I didn't end up going back <laughs> to, to them but do you want to paint a little picture of, of the setting the shala that Gwyn had mm. in Bali, like, so what, like... Yeah, it was right on the ocean, and it was right in this little fishing village, Jazri, it's called, and it was just paradise. Like, it was so open, 
and you could just you just looked out to the water from this open air beautiful shala nice and big and yeah you would walk you know to get you know what you know we get up really early in the morning and do meditation on the beach looking out into the water and, and then we walked to the shala it was idyllic it was a really beautiful what were to... were some of the key takeaways like what were some of the big apart from me <laughs> I kind of took you away, didn't I, from Brisbane? Oh, but, yeah, but, but I <laughs> willingly went, I think, after so not very long. But, yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> you did. But, no, I think, too, because your original question was about, the shala, about our yoga yeah. shala. Yeah. yeah, to try and summarize. So I think we were both in open, like really open with our hearts, I would say, and I was not going there looking to fall in love at all. I think I was not in that space, and and that's always a lot of people like, say, that's always when you kind of find your love, isn't it, when you're not really searching? I think though at the time we hadn't kind of committed to each other, but we had talked about doing a, a workshop together mm. back home. Yeah, yeah, because Gwen had, at the training, Gwen had encouraged all of us to put together an offering and put it out there, even before we finished our training, which was so beautiful, I think, for each of us to really, you know, kind of push ourselves to doing something that we just learned, which was scary. Craig was really sweet. He was just like, oh... You know, would you would you come up to my farm? Would you come up to the Sunshine Coast and and we could do something together on the farm? You could teach the yoga and yeah. And I was you know I was definitely open to that. And he was so he was so lovely and and the first time we like really had a beautiful conversation, he asked me to share a coconut with him, which was kind of like a tradition that at each break you know you could coconuts were so big and you, it's hard to drink it all by yourself. So you kind of find a buddy to share a coconut with and. After a few days or so, he built up the courage. Built up the courage, <laughs> yeah, because he was having coconuts with lots of other people, and um, I was nervous. You were nervous. <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't, didn't want to seem too too, too eager. eager. Yeah, Otherwise. but it was beautiful when we did end up having a co- sharing a coconut. Um, there was such a beautiful connection, and we ended up being late for our next class because I think we were sitting for a long time, and you were quite the man of all the questions. Craig would always ask me all these questions about, you know, personal things. And I'd be like, wow, he's really, he really like wants to know all the things about me. And sometimes I was like, it was a bit, like I'd feel a bit shy to share all that stuff. But no, it was beautiful. And um, and yeah, I think we, it wasn't long before we were very much head over heels in love and talking about, yeah, like, and he invited me to travel with him and to stay on a bit longer and extend my, my trip in Bali. And so I said yes and took, took a little chance there. And then at that time we were talking about, we put, start putting together this beautiful retreat that we're going to have here. And he was like, you know, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have a space for it, but, you know, we could put up some, I don't know, we were talking about like putting up marquees or yeah. something. and. <laughs> like for shade and and once we started to really put it out there and like put it together and people were booking in we were kind of like oh wow we're gonna actually I think you were more like oh no we, d- we need a space and you had always wanted a place to do mm. yoga here is that right at the yeah farm? we when I left to go to Bali we were a, a fruit and vegetable farm and a market garden we did 
have a little yoga space and I, I had done my yoga teacher training but it wasn't something we were doing actively it was just something we'd do for fun something we would have the the, the woofers the, the people that were, were working on the farm and but we'd never done anything to offer yoga to the community mm. so when I went and took my chance at going to Bali and again I, I loved the energy of Gwyn and I knew I wanted to learn more from him and there was something there mm. I when we came back to the when we were planning this retreat and realizing oh gosh there's 30 people booked in <laughs> what if it rains it mm. rains a lot we're going to need a, a building so it once we landed and and we already by then fallen in love and I'd, I'd asked Chrissy <laughs> several times if she'd want to come and move up there and we had this date ready a month before so we had to to build something and it just we didn't plan on it being Bali inspired but it was totally Bali inspired mm. and mm. and many people s- still say yeah. it's Bali it looks like feels like Bali yeah. and that that really is is a wonderful one means that the intentions come through because it's not like there's you know there's that much that is actually Bali other yeah. than nature and mm. um, big open air and yeah and so, so then we came back and we built mm. the Shala and then that's become your baby. That's become your, yeah, your I think, place. On the- I think it, what it did was it showed that when we work together and we mm. work from the heart, it, like there's some powerful, powerful energetic co-creations happening <laughs> yeah, together. If you, I if think you it scroll was... back far enough in Instagram or Facebook, then you'll see some of the the pictures of it getting created in mm. a short amount of time. Very short amount of time. And then what has that meant to you and to the community since it's been here? Well, I think what we feel is, um, and we've talked about the shala being the heart of the mm. farm. So obviously the farm is beautiful in and of itself and the land is really powerful here that we live on, that we're so lucky to be caretakers of. and with the shala now it's like it adds this layer of sacredness yeah for me it's it's when you when you see the outside of the shala it's like wow this is a really big space but it happens to for me and i think it happens for most people then they walk in and it's like this just feeling of like oh there's something Mm. really powerful and healing about being in the space and so i think it's been it's kind of slowly transitioned it didn't it wasn't always it's gone through its changes and different transitions so now we offer regular yoga classes we also offer some selected events so it's it's gone through phases of being like people will hire it out and and that you know that that was okay but it just didn't feel it didn't feel very authentic because it wasn't necessarily a shambhala offering and if it was something that someone else was doing and we weren't involved in it, it just felt a little bit like we were a hall for hire and that didn't, I never wanted the shala to be that. It was always been meant to be such a sacred space for very powerful and beautiful offerings. So yeah, we definitely have other teachers and practitioners that come and offer things, but it's usually more of a collaboration now. And we have our women's circles 
And have you got some highlights and some favourites in the memories in the in the shower? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I I do have memories of when we were first starting classes there. I mean, it took a long time to get people here. Man, it's so different than being in the city. Like, you know, in the city, I guess it's because people don't have as much to do and as much, you know, beautiful nature to go and explore. And it's, it just wasn't as hard to like build up a class when I taught in Brisbane. But yeah, I think on the Sunshine Coast, it's just there's less people as well. Smaller population, so that's one thing. And then I just think it's slow. Like it's just a, it's a slower pace. So it's like people are like, eh, I might try that yoga, and they think about it for six months, and then they might come. And it was kind of like that. And I remember going there every Saturday morning, every Saturday morning going there, and you'd go with me, and Craig would be like, sometimes my only student. And it took us months, right? And we'd start the Monday night, um, as well. We did a little sunset um, yoga. Uh, co-yoga oh yeah 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 you and I would teach yeah yeah Yeah, so I do have beautiful memories of that but also it was hard too because it's like oh nobody wants to come to this beautiful space or nobody knows about us and it was seemed you know because there's a lot of yoga up here there's a lot of offerings on the sunny coast so yeah and then it's just beautifully grown into this I think I think we do have a lovely community of people that really when they come they appreciate that they're in the elements like you know we're in winter now and we have less classes because it is really cold and it just makes sense to move with the flow of nature and I love that about the people that come to the shawl it's like they're not scared of being cold if they come they know they're gonna just layer up they're not scared of maybe I don't know it's just you can Mm. feel the people have the right people are finding us um the second time we were second or third time we were in Bali do you want to tell the story of East Forest? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we, um, yeah, sorry, I was getting to sidetracked because I, I have lots of different memories. Yeah. But yeah, some of them being when we first started everything. But yeah, there's definitely been some beautiful events. And East Forest was a powerful one. So East Forest is a really quite well known in the spiritual yogic world, if you will, as a artist. And... He makes beautiful, beautiful music. And it was really special because East Forest is someone that I've played in my yoga classes for years Mm. now, back in my Brisbane days. And we were, how did it happen? I think, like I hadn't actually heard of East Forest before I met you. So in your music, you you had it a lot in your your class. I remember now, we were here now, I was playing East Forest and sometimes Spotify will be like, this person is playing in your area, you know, and like, you should go and see this concert. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it said that East Force was coming to Byron or Brisbane. And they're from the States. Uh, yeah, East yeah. Force from the States. Uh, I saw it and I was like, oh, and I think I freaked out and I told you and I was like, oh my gosh, we have to go to this and I was going to book tickets and then we, for some reason, and this is all Craig, this is, I have to say, this is definitely Craig, not me. He saw there was a gap in the dates. You saw that. Was it, was it that we, couldn't get tickets or no I think it was that you literally like I think I think we said out loud like wouldn't it be amazing Mm. if we could have East Forest at the Shala (laughs) and then the whole world just cracked open and yeah we noticed there was a bit of a gap there he had a date where he wasn't just one day yeah it was like he was going to be in Byron he was going to be in Brisbane and there was a gap and I think you said oh you should email them and I'm like what no 
And then we did, yeah. And so we sent this email off, and we were off to Bali, I think, not long after that. And we were in Bali, and we got this message like from the people that manage East Forest saying, um, hey, like, yeah, so tell us about this. Yeah, we'd be open to it. And that, yeah, that date would work. And we were just like freaking out. I think we, it was like the first day we were in Bali. That's right, yeah. And so we ended up having, yeah, we ended up having East Forest come to the Shala for a very special event, which was just before COVID hit. And it was like, you know, beautiful, like powerful stuff happening in the Shala. Like mm. I think classes were building up. We were starting to really see more people at our classes and more people kind of part of the community. And then, yeah, we put East Forest out there and we had, how many was it? It was over a hundred? Yeah, 120 and before yeah. we had to, to cap it out. Yeah. In the Shala, which is the biggest, yeah, crowd we've had. And it really felt like that that was like a blooming of, of this cultivation of, of devotion that had happened mm. through the Shala. And, mm. and that night just really, um, for me, changed something. And, and, mm. and his whole thing was to facilitate a journey, an inner journey, and it really changed something for me mm. that night. And... And I think something that that I, I wanted to share was that when that Shala came and, and especially when the energies like that came, even though we were we were putting our sacred energy into it, when we first came back from Bali or when I first came back and you start to see the difference between the Bali Balinese culture and the Western culture and, and it was very starkly obvious that in the Balinese culture, it was devotion was everywhere. Everything, there was devotion. Whereas when you come back to the Western culture, it was, there was not much devotion anywhere. Mm. And then on, then we have farms or nature, which is such an amazing devotional space to connect in. But a farm, a typical farm in Australia is not very devotional. So bringing the, the yoga shala to Shambhala Farm really was the culmination of, of what I see Shambhala living is in this and what this podcast is all about, this bringing together of the nature yeah. side and the, the yoga, meditation, the inner world, the, mm. uh, this, the devotion, bringing them together into mm. a space. That, to me, was what was born and what is now... Uh, opening my my eyes, opening my heart, and realizing that these spaces like this, where we bring a mixture of of devotion and gardening, is the, where the magic is at. I, mm. I feel like because we can do all sorts of amazing things and connect into the earth, but it, with a sense of gratitude and a sense of devotion bring sacredness and when we bring sacredness to the ordinary then I believe it becomes extraordinary mm. and I think that to me was what happened unknowingly just from this mm. from this meeting in, in Bali with this guide and teacher Gwyn bringing bringing us two together and and springing forth this this idea of having a, a, a retreat which then led to this yoga shala mm. and led to, to us being able to have developed love and bring 
the two hearts together of the earth heart and the, the devotional heart has been what I have been observing in the fruition of this relationship and this garden and this this organisation, this community that's getting built around it. Yeah. And I really felt strongly that the Sharla and yourself brought yeah, the heart back to the farm and and that was so palpable and powerful for me and and now that there's this really beautiful community and I guess to to kind of wrap up or before wrapping up we've also taken that online so do you want to share anything about the the online membership and the 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 future any ideas for the future of bringing yoga to people that can't come to experience the farm and the shala um yeah i was just trying to remember when it started was that was that during during covid yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah so when we had the lockdown um and we started to do live recordings in the shala yeah. And I think, yeah, it just it spurred the idea of, okay, we need to have something online for our members because if they can't come to the class in person, then we need to be able to offer them their practices still. So it's definitely still a work in progress, I feel like. it's There's so many classes that we need, that we want to add, that we have, which of course takes time. So yeah, but there's some beautiful classes on our online platform already of meditations and classes with Gwen and with a few other teachers. I mean, I could see it going so much further than just movement practices. I think it, it could dive into much, mm. much deeper, or not much deeper, but just other modalities and other, other offerings for people. So I think I definitely see that could, that's the future for sure. It's just finding that time to kind of spend there, yeah, yeah. put our energy there. But before we do wrap up, I was going to say, the other most favorite memory besides East Forest <laughs> is when we got married in the Shala. Yeah. That was extra special. Yeah, that we was had a very small, special, yeah. Yeah, intimate, intimate little ceremony. And it was really special because Gwen was there and he spoke at it. You know, it was just beautiful. Like it was the, even the way it was set up and just how we put things together and in our own little, with our own little community. <laughs> we didn't have anything fancy happening. But yeah, that was a beautiful, mm. beautiful memory, always beautiful memories of, of that day, I think. So to wrap up, in your mind, this concept of what the podcast is about, Shambhala living, living from the heart, <clears throat> mm-hmm. is, there, is there anything that you could, you could share for, for anyone that's listening of, of still like, well, how, how do I tap in? Mm. Like, how do I, like, how do I start? Where, mm. where do I, where do I start? Like, is there anything yeah. you'd like to, to share before we, yeah, something I, simple, something to, yeah. yeah. I think that's such a, a beautiful question because that's, for most of us, it's kind of like, oh, I don't have enough time, you know, and we're all quite sometimes set in our habits and we don't even realize that and to shake it up feels a little bit too hard. But I think you said it earlier you asked me something and I don't know if I ever answered you so I would like to say that the difference between living from the heart living from the heart as opposed to kind of being a bit more guarded or not really tapping into that superpower that you have 
um, your heart compass. I think it's the difference between surviving and thriving. So the thriving mm. is when you're actually tapped in and you're allowing yourself to listen to your intuition and, and be more open um, in your heart space. And when you're surviving, I think you're, you're probably living on autopilot. You might be a bit numb to emotions and things or you've kind of stuffed it down long enough to just that's the way that you live and I know that so many exist in this way and it is it's sad to think that so I think simple things which I mentioned before. What would, what would the top three be for you? I think the top three would have to be <laughs> putting me on the spot would be to do something that brings you joy every day mm, nice. like something that just like brings you joy and is pleasure pleasurable and sometimes we feel guilty thinking about doing something for ourselves that's, that brings us pleasure which is silly not silly but it's just not necessary so yeah I think something that brings you joy my next one would be to get into nature somehow get out into nature and just go for a walk it doesn't have to be at the most beautiful place in the world it can just be somewhere in nature Stand on the earth, breathe in the fresh air. And I think the third, ah, oh, it's hard, there's more, but I think the third would have to be, can I have two more? Because there would be, I can't decide, because meditation is really powerful, and I think sitting in meditation quietly and learning to be in, our, in the quiet with ourselves is really powerful. But I also feel like there's so much power between behind moving the body. And sometimes that, needs to come before the meditation for some of us. So I would have to say those are the four things. Okay. Yeah, meditation nice. and moving your body. It doesn't have to be yoga, like anything. I, I'm surprised that or maybe you need another one, but I'm surprised music is not in there for you. Yeah, well, the music is part of the moving the body. Okay. Yeah, yeah. for me, music is definitely the thing. I, if you ask Craig, like, it, their music is literally always on in our house. For me, I'm not a music person, mm. so... But if I let Chrissy run our music and Chrissy loves <laughs> music and <laughs> you don't have if anyone <laughs> is on Spotify, you can find yeah. Chrissy's playlists and she's, she loves finding new music. So yeah, we'll, like we'll have to add that into the, yeah. to the notes, your, your um, Spotify yeah, playlist. I think, I think, yeah, I think music is definitely, um, I just think music can really open up parts of ourselves that we just didn't even know were there. And when I was in getting into that more of that side of teaching that was free and would just spend hours curating these playlists <laughs> and they would be like specifically curated to make you feel all the things like so that you just couldn't help but by the end of your practice you would have felt all the emotions and you would have been allowed to tap into it and that's the beauty of music and movement who, together who taps who can drop you into the space what musician can oh, no, get I, you there i don't know if i can do that <laughs> that's too hard we need another whole yeah, yeah. <laughs> whole podcast about i mean but we did mention east forest yeah. has a very powerful powerful way you put on his a music. track recently that mm. really dropped me in yeah do you remember the name of that it was a woman and it was like yeah just, and um, something about home yeah, yeah, it's it's a brand new remember that track, but that it's in. been putting people in the places. Yeah, yeah. But I think yeah, the music and the movement. If you're a music person, and and if you're like I'm struggling to move my body, just stick 
stick your favorite songs on and okay, yeah. and and start to move your body in any way. It doesn't have to be yoga. It could just be dance parties like me and Birdie have. And to to put you on the spot a little bit here in regards to music and to to finish it off, when I first fell in love with Chrissy, it was when I heard her voice. If you haven't had the the pleasure of hearing Chrissy sing, then uh, you're in for a treat. And I. We, we have recorded you singing, I think we put it on SoundCloud, um, mm. and I would love to encourage her back into singing. Is, can we expect any, any an songs? Album. An album? Well, yeah. Or, or any songs back into yoga or into I maybe in a, into a recorded... I haven't felt that, to be honest, because I, I think that's something that, that needs to... It's like your instrument. You need to practice, and I haven't been practicing. For our, for our family? For the family, maybe, yeah. yeah. Like, I sing to Birdie. Yeah. We sing to Birdie every day. But I think it's different, yeah, to try and, and kind of hone in on that and spend time and energy into practicing mm. and using my voice that way. Because, yeah, it used to be something that I did all the time. Well, if you ever feel like breaking into song, then you're, you're welcome. Okay, <laughs> thanks. I'll keep that in mind for the next one. Well, I think it's, a, it's time to, to wrap it up now. We've, there's a lot of rabbit holes we could explore, and I would love to have Chrissy back here for another session and just explore some of those dimensions that open our hearts, open our lives and, and light up. We've still got it written on our chalkboard, show me your heart light. And Chrissy wrote that when we f she first got here. And that, that really is um, something that Chrissy continues to, to give to me, is to remi the reminder that we can live with our hearts wide open. And that's what I love about her. So thank you for, for being the first guest <laughs> on the Shambhala Living podcast. Thank yeah. you for being my beautiful, wonderful wife, and thank you for being the best mother ever to our little birdie sky. Thanks, love. Thanks for having me. It's been fun to sit and chat with you about all the things. So, yeah. So, I hope that those that are listening, getting to know Chrissy a little bit better, you also get to know me a little bit better about where, what, where this podcast might go and a lot of that is influenced by Chrissy so it's been really wonderful that we can share the mm. um, Chrissy's essence and message with, with you all so thank you so much for mm. sticking with us we'll probably have this over a two two or three <laughs> part um, in the in the episodes and I look forward to, to sharing with you again so thank you so much, Chrissy. Yeah, thank you. It's been awesome. Bye for now. See you in the next episode. Bye. So that concludes the two-part series interview with Chrissy. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. And I really look forward to having Chrissy back on the podcast soon to share more stories and more ways that we can tap into our abundance within our heart space. So thanks so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Shambhala Living Podcast. 
If you enjoyed it, then I'd love it if you would share it with some friends and subscribe to this channel and turn on notifications so you can find out when the next podcast comes out. You can find us at Instagram at Shambhala Farm and also check out our upcoming 12-week food growing course. You can find out more details on our newsletter list or on Instagram. I'll see you on the next episode.